Welcome into another edition of Camp Notes on Word on the Street. I'm Tony Lombardi. Camp Notes are brought to you by Panacea Life Sciences. Discover the healing power of CBD products. Shop at PanaceaLife.com. That's P-A-N-A-C-E-A Life.com. Use code RSR at checkout and get a 30% discount. Today, I'm joined on Camp Notes by Chris Schisler from Russell Street Report. Chris, it was a hot one out there yesterday. How did it feel on the sidelines? And how did the players take to that heat? It was an incredibly hot day. I was having trouble focusing at times. Um, I kept having to reel myself back in. I can't imagine how it would feel to be one of the players right now. Um, but I will say this. They really focused. It was a really crisp practice. They didn't take the built-in excuse of the heat. I thought it was one of the best practices I've seen. I've been there four times, and this might have been the sharpest. They did take a lot of breaks. They did take a 10-minute break at one point, which apparently is unprecedented. Um, and that, that was all, already after they were halfway through. They really paid attention to it. They didn't let it become a problem. Uh, but the Heat was definitely an opponent of all the players and coaches yesterday. And really the media, it was, it, it was unpleasant to be in. Having done this for a number of years, one of the things that we always look forward to at the end of any practice is an injury report that is empty. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case yesterday. Vince Beagle, a guy who's been really active, Chris, along the edge for the Ravens, a real hustler, plays like his hair's on fire, plays through the whistle, just a guy that seemed to play like a Raven and could offer some contributions on special teams as well. He went down with an Achilles injury. So can you describe anything that you may have seen that, to kind of set the scene for our listeners and how Vince went down. Well, you know, practice was about over and the, the media was walking over to hear the three people who were going to talk and we're walking over and halfway through, uh, we, we hear chatter. Oh, someone's being carted off. And Vince, Vince Beagle is on the cart and I, it was a very unanimous reaction of, oh, no, that's not good. I This is a guy who's looked great during camp. I have been impressed every time I've been there with him. He is a very hard worker like you you alluded to. He's This is really a bummer. He was having a great camp and at a position the Ravens really needed everything they got. So that was, that was not what you want to see. Do you think – that this will force Eric DaCosta to revisit discussions with uh, JPP, or is there someone else in camp that's setting, uh, stepping up along the edge that might be able to fill that role? I really like what I see from Dalen Hayes, but I don't think there's any reason not to call JPP. I was kind of on the bandwagon of, hey, bring in Houston and PP. So uh, right now, JPP, yeah, makes sense to me. Jason Pierre-Paul makes a lot of sense right now. But I do like what I'm seeing from some of the guys. Dalen Hayes especially has looked pretty good. Um, but you when you factor in the whole Tyus Bowser situation on top of this, uh, you, you just need a one move and then you need to react to it, I think. Right. And Tyus, they say, I, I saw him step outside the weight room the other day. He looks really good. I'm told that he's ready to go, but they're just taking it really slowly with him. And there's no reason to rush him back. 
I've always said about Tyus Bowser, he's the most bought into the whole play like a Raven thing on the roster. And I think he's going to be fine. He doesn't need um, the extra reps. He needs the extra time. So I have no worries about Bowser, but you always got to play these things safe. Staying with the injury news for a second, Tyler Linderbaum walked off the field. He didn't finish practice. Talk about what happened to him. Did you happen to see it? And it sounds like John Harbaugh isn't too concerned about it at this point. But whenever John says that, I start to worry a little bit. Yeah, I. it didn't look good. Um, he, he fell down in kind of a crowd. Anytime that happens, you got those big guys falling down. Um, they were saying, oh, you got to stay up. You got to stay up. But, you know, you're doing some of the running game stuff. You're not you're not in pads right now, but they're still really going at it. So he fell down in a, in a bit of a scrum. It looked like he had another guy fall on top of his leg. He got up, you know, they took him in. I think he's going to be fine. I, I think they're just playing it safe. It didn't look like he, you know, he was devastated or anything. Um, I There was a lot of bodies in, you know, uh, in the way. So after he fell down, it was hard to figure out what was going on. But it wasn't an extended uh, period of time where you're like, oh, no, what's going on? So I think all signs are clear. But again, after last year, just cross your fingers. Right. So staying with the first round picks yesterday, the buzz on Twitter, both good and bad, was about Kyle Hamilton. And it seems like the negativity directed towards Kyle is all focused on that really poor clip of him at the mm -hmm. stadium on Saturday night when Bailey Gaither torched him on one on ones. And I want to set the scene, Chris, and, and, and support this or, or refuted it if you want but to me when they run those one-on-one -on -one drills they're fun to watch but they are decidedly in favor of the offensive player who has the entire field to run a route and you have a quarterback who's got all day to throw the pass to him at some point you would think he's got to get open right so I think it's just decidedly in favor of the offensive player yet Kyle Hamilton is a recipient of, of a lot of criticism. I will say that yesterday, or, or not yesterday, but on Wednesday, I saw him make some really good plays where he was assigned to give outside cover to protection, read the quarterback, and jumped to the middle of the field to break up a pass. And I just think he has uncommon uh, closing skills. I think he has uncommon knowledge for someone his, his age, but the criticisms just keep flying. So your, your thoughts on those one-on-one -on -one drills and then the overall play of Kyle Hamilton on Thursday? Well, yeah, I, I've i been at practice and I haven't seen anything that looks like that uh, stadium practice drill. Um, I haven't seen Kyle Hamilton have any of those moments in practice. In fact, he looks pretty good to me. There are times where I think he might be a little flat-footed when he needs to get up and go. There are times where I think he looks a little rigid, but this is a player who's, you know, he's got a pretty lin linear build, but what comes with that is length. And when you have that kind of um, athleticism, that that equals up to a lot of range and a lot of playmaking ability. 
getting to the football. He's been pretty active every practice. Yesterday, he had some good plays. Um, there was one play in particular where Tylen Wallace almost caught a touchdown. Um, and I'll give Jackson credit, Lamar Jackson credit, for putting the ball where he had to, um, even though it was an incomplete pass. Tyler Wallace had a chance on it, but Hamilton made Jackson have to put that in the perfect spot. I thought it was a pretty good rep all around. Um, Kyle Hamilton has looked pretty good. Um, he looks like he wants to participate against the run a little bit, so that's good. Um, I, I, I've seen nothing to really scare me away from Kyle Hamilton. Again, this is a guy that I can't wait to see in his first preseason game. Um, I can't wait to see in his first regular season game. Let's just enjoy the journey. And I, the bottom line is this does not, this does not look like a Matty goal. This, this does not look like that at all. I think we're a little gun shy. And I also think, like you said, that, that drill in the, in the stadium, it favors the receiver and don't sleep on Bailey Gaither. I don't think he's going to make the team, but he's looked really good. The other thing that I'd say about these practices and these one-on-ones is that there was a rookie safety that the Ravens drafted back in 2002, who when he first came to camp, people were scratching their heads saying, we put a, we wasted a number one pick on that guy. And then you <laughs> saw him out there practice. He wasn't very good on one-on-ones. And then suddenly this guy develops into a playmaker because he starts to get the system in his system and he starts to make some plays. By 2004, he was the NFL's defensive player of the year. Of course, I'm talking about Hall of Famer Ed Reed. Mm -hmm. And I think we overreact to rookies no matter what. I think we really just want to see them do good. And we, we put pressure on them that doesn't necessarily need to be there. I'm really impressed with Kyle Hamilton, though. I don't see panic. I have no reason to panic. I Anyone who's panicking about Kyle Hamilton, get your head from under the pillow. You're fine. <laughs> Chris, before we go to get um, some of your other observations from yesterday's practice, I want to mention our sponsor, Panacea Life Sciences. As everyone knows, last season the Ravens were crushed by injuries. They got another one yesterday with Vince Beagle. But even those players who didn't miss time, they still had to deal with aches and pains. Just like the weekend warriors out there who play softball, basketball, tennis, flag football, golf, et cetera, the list goes on. Instead of things like ibuprofen and acetaminophen and other over-the-counter pain relievers, I've begun to use CBD products from Panacea because they work. Pain management is crucial to performance from the NFL to the amateur athlete. CBD products are so beneficial, non-addictive, and less expensive than big pharma products and over-the-counter meds without the side effects. And they do not get you high. Panacea is offering our listeners a 30% discount by using discount code RSR at checkout when visiting panacealife.com. Again, P-A-N-A-C-E-A life.com. If you have any questions, please call them at 1-800-985-0515, 1-800-985-0515. Oh, and one last thing. They also have amazing products for ailing pets. Panacea Life Sciences, CBD products, that work. So Chris, I, I did want to ask you about a couple other players and then I'll, I'll collect your thoughts on just your overall assessment of the practice and maybe any other things that stood out for you. But some of the reporters were talking about Kyle Fuller during Wednesday's session. 
And I have to tell you, Chris, that the, the conversation wasn't all that good. People have been somewhat disappointed by what Kyle Fuller has done so far. And, you know, I, I'll say this, that it's his third team in three seasons. So maybe the terminology, the system, those kinds of things he's still trying to embrace. But what did you see, if anything at all, from Kyle Fuller on Thursday? Yeah, I also think type of receiver he's playing against tends to matter with Kyle Fuller. I think he's better as a zone guy than a man guy at this point. And when he's going against his bigger guys, say he goes up against a um, Rashad Bateman or a Makai Polk, a bigger, a bigger bodied guy, I think sometimes he struggles on that. And he's really jittery. He's really quick. Um, I just, you know, I haven't seen anything that makes me go, wow, this pick is really working out. This pickup is really working out. He's a veteran defender. But like you said, third team, three years. I I don't know that he's 100% comfortable out there. But, again, I don't know the guy personally. So we'll see what's going on with that. Um, nothing crazy to report. Just, you know, he gets beat sometimes. With respect to the Ravens receivers, there's been a lot of focus on what I call the big four, that being Bateman, Devon DuVernay, James Prochet, and Tylen Wallace. Now, I know DuVernay's missed, what, his fourth consecutive practice? Yes, he hasn't practiced since the stadium practice. Right, so that's four practices in a row he's missed, which has given James Prochet some time to really run with the ones and whatnot. We're going to get to him in a second, but – one guy I, I thought might step up, he looks the part, seems to, to move the part, and, and I just hope that he would step up a little bit more in year two. Haven't seen much from him yet, uh, Tylen Wallace. Talk about what you saw from him on Thursday. Well, the biggest play for Tylen Wallace was that near touchdown in the back of the corner of the end zone. Um, so he didn't have a huge day. He had a couple of catches underneath Tylen Wallace looks fine um they're really spreading the ball around so momentum with receivers is I keep going back to it kind of a really tricky thing with camp um Tylen Wallace looks okay he's very fast he's running good routes um he really has a good thing where he does where he drops his hips and he really kind of fools the defender I, I like the athleticism. I, I think he's put a lot of good things together. It wasn't really a practice where he got a lot of a lot of the balls thrown his way. Um, sometimes that happens in practice. Tyler Wallace looks okay. Um, nothing crazy to report on Tylen Wallace. Um, I will say James Crochet looked like the best receiver on the field. He might have been the best player of the day. I'm going to get to him in a second, but I want to introduce Nikhil Mehta, who's just joined us from Russell Street Report. Nikhil, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Tony. So they, that practice must have, must have worn you out yesterday. <laughs> that, yeah, that in the late night concert. Right, right. So, uh, so let me get your thoughts on what you saw from Wallace yesterday. Yeah, so, I mean, Chris really, um, Chris really summed up one of the really important things, which is that it's hard, to, it's hard for these receivers to stand out um, every single day, um, 
Wallace looks fine. Like Chris said, he's running crisp routes. He's putting in the effort um, when they're, when, when they're doing full 11 on 11s and they do a running play. Um, he is very engaged when it comes to things like run blocking. So I'm not really worried about him not putting in the effort. Uh, it is really a matter more of him developing that rapport with Lamar Jackson that, I think we've seen receivers need a little bit with Lamar to really succeed. You've seen that with Andrews. Um, saw that with Hollywood Brown in previous years. And we're excited to see him uh, develop Jackson developing that rapport with Rashad Bateman and James Prochet. But yeah, now it needs to develop with um, guys like Devin Duvernay and Tyler Wallace as well. Um, one of the other things I'll note that's, that's difficult is just the pure amount of rotations they're doing. They're doing a lot of different rotations. They're putting a lot of different guys in a lot of different spots. Um, and as a result, I think Wallace doesn't really have a very clearly defined role. It's still very early. If he gets a clearer role later, whether it's, you know, always lining up in the slot, always lining up outside, um, you know, specific packages, I think it will be a little bit easier for him to carve out a spot in the offense. But I think one of the other things to note is uh, something I've noticed a little bit is Lamar is, is staring people down a little bit. Um, it's not, uh, anything I'm worried about, I think part of it's just getting used to get, you know, training camp, wanting to hit certain receivers, getting in, getting in the rhythm of things. Um, but I did notice him kind of staring down a couple receivers during seven on sevens and 11 on 11s yesterday. And so I think that might be one of the other reasons that some guys like Wallace aren't quite getting as much um, attention as we hope they do. Yeah, I didn't see that from Lamar on Wednesday. I, I actually saw the opposite. I thought he was surveying the field pretty well. And and sometimes that locking in on a receiver is part and parcel to what kind of protection you're getting up front. And and if you're getting decent protection, you can have an opportunity to read through those progressions. If you don't, then you kind of do what you're describing that he focuses in on, on one player. Yeah, and I don't think it was so much that he was um, you know, not going through his progressions. I think he was just kind of locked in on his first read a lot of the times, and that really wasn't Wallace. A lot of times, his first read seemed to be Isaiah Likely. There were um, several plays where it seemed like Likely was his first read, and he was, you know, Likely's as advertised. He he gets open, he, he brings the ball in, and so if he's your first read and he's open, then you really don't, you don't need to go to your second and third reads, um, which is good, um, but I do feel like at the same time, that does reduce the amount the ball gets spread out a little bit when Jackson is throwing the ball at least. Chris, you mentioned James Prochet. Sounds like he had a big day yesterday. Talk about some of the things that you saw from him. All right, so James Prochet had two really big plays that were probably up there for the play of the day. Uh, the first one was a 65-yard uh, pass from Lamar Jackson, and Prochet had to hit, had to catch that, um, falling kind of at a weird angle. Um, so Prochet had great body control there, and his route was beautiful. Uh, the second one, he fell, uh, dove to, towards the pylon to catch the ball. Jackson put it where the defender had no chance for it. Um, Prochet, again, the body control was very good. But the thing that I noticed with Prochet is he's moving very smooth. It's almost like a knife through uh, melted butter. He is. He looks like he's gliding a little bit. Um, really like what I see from Prochet. He, he looks, uh, outside of Rashad Bateman, he might be the best technician at the receiver position. Nikhil, you know, with regard to Prochet, I think it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Chris alluded to before that they were moving people around different spots, and I think that's a good thing to do during practice just in case there's an injury and somebody has to fill in. But Prochet 
to me, is a prototypical slot receiver. He has suddenness in short spaces, great change of direction skills, can really go hard at those dig routes and, and presents himself well to the quarterback. I, I also think he's heady enough to be able to read defenses, know when there's a, a hot read that, that he might be and put himself in position to make the play succeed. Y- your thoughts on Prochet, agree or disagree with my assessment? Yeah, so I absolutely agree in terms of his his kind of basic role in the offense. I will say a couple other things. One, given how often this offense is going to line up with just two wide receivers, I wouldn't be shocked to see James Prochet lined up outside quite a bit just as a um, as a matter of necessity because, um, you know, there may not be a in space in the formation for a guy in the slot, and I still think they're going to do their, do their best to get him out there. Um, I also think he's going to shine in the red zone. I think um, they're going to try and get him in some ISO opportunities in the red zone where he just has to beat his man on his route. And I think, like Chris said, that is something that he is – he excels at. Um, you know, coming out of college, he didn't run the fastest 40 time. He doesn't, he didn't have like a blazing speed. Um, obviously he's not the tallest player, but has a reputation for, um, a being able to get open and not dropping balls. And I think that is something that, um, you know, shows up everywhere on the field, but in the red zone, especially when, you know, you got to get five yards and the defense is stacking the box with eight, nine guys, and you've just got your receivers and isolation matchups on the outside. Those are moments where, uh, you know, Devin DuVernay's take the top off speed isn't as useful as Prochet's ability to just, you know, shake and bake his way away from his uh, away from his defender and get open for a touchdown. You know, the, um, the other the other thing I want to add about Prochet, um, and I, I can't get over just his professionalism, his approach, um, the way he approaches practice every day. Um, you know, he's the first off last. Uh, he's the first on the field. He's the last off the field. Um, he is, you know, his great day to be great is spreading like a catch face throughout the team. Um, it is crazy to see a 25 year old sixth round receiver in his third year, take on one of the most prominent leadership roles of the team. Um, it's really impressive. He's got that kind of swag to him. And I, I just want to see that practice effort and that swag and that leadership take itself to the field on Sunday. So we'll see if that works out, but I, I'm a big fan of James Prochet, and I, I have confidence that he's going to be successful in 2022. Beyond those big four receivers, there's not a whole lot to look at. There's, you know, there's a few guys, and I, I wanted to get your take on, on a couple of things. Number one, it's my opinion that the Ravens will only retain five receivers. I don't think the, the other receivers on the, on the team so far on this roster of the 90-man roster are worthy enough to – have a fifth and sixth receivers could, because I think they'll be available at any point. So, but of, the, of that, if, if in fact I'm right, and they're only going to keep five, the guys that seem to be competing for that fifth spot are Shamar Bridges, Jalen Moore, and Benjamin Victor. Your guys' thoughts on those three yesterday, overall, and I'll start with you, Chris. Well, Benjamin Victor, I think, has a huge advantage because of his traits. His size and speed is definitely something. And he's also a little bit more familiar. He was here last year. Um, Jalen Moore looks pretty darn good. Um, so I, I really I really like him. Um, yeah, I, I think he got the guys, the guys right in there. The other ones, you know, really don't fit the offense as much. I mean, if you look at a guy like uh, Shamar Bridges or – a bolder. Uh, they're more of a Julian Edelman, Wes Walker types. Um, so I, I think they're looking for 
um, more combination of size and speed at the receiver position. And I, I think you got the right guys in the group. Yeah, I mean, I would th- I would throw Bolden in that group of guys competing for a roster spot just because he has the he has the talent to earn a roster spot in the NFL. I'm just not sure if it's going to be in Baltimore, like Chris said, because of the team's needs. Um, Bridges is Bridges is huge. He's a, he's a big guy, so I think if they're looking for a big physical red zone target, they they have a lot of options. And I think of those. Um, just pure big guys. Shamar Bridges seems to be having the best camp so far. Um, but I still think, I still think two things. One, I think Jalen Moore and Benjamin Victor, they have the inside track. They've been on the team longer. They worked hard all last year, stayed fresh on the practice squad. And the Ravens have a little bit of a tendency to reward those kind of players. Um, especially I would say on the offensive side of the ball to give them their shot. Um, I would also say with the way the practice squad is, it wouldn't shock me to two things wouldn't shock me. One, if the Ravens actually stuck with four receivers, depending on their roster needs across the um, across the rest of the roster, who's going to start on the PUP list, things like that. I could see them carrying four receivers and then just using their practice squad elevations on receivers every week and rotating through the receivers on the practice squad. Like, you know, keep three or four and rotate through the practice squad to see who's going to give you something in the regular season. Uh, I could see that. Um, and if if they do if they do have a fifth um, on the roster, I do think that more Victor will get the nod. Um, they both stood out even last year in the preseason, and we're getting we're getting buzz for a roster spot over some uh, guys like Miles Boykin. And so I think um, the other thing it depends on is who can develop chemistry with Lamar. I think that is uh, a big question. That's something we keep coming back to. Who is he comfortable throwing to? Who can he make um, you know make? make plays with when he extends plays, who is he comfortable looking for downfield? Um, I'm not 100% sure that's going to be one of these undrafted rookies right away. Right away, I think it's more likely to be someone that he has at least a little bit of experience playing with. Yeah, I think of those three, my preference is Shamar Bridges, and and I'll tell you why. Victor, he's had the opportunity to shine or, or to make an impression for now over a year. And I I just think he's one of those long striders and those long striders end up being a little bit easier for DBs to cover. And I think we saw that with Miles Boykin. Shamar Bridges has more suddenness to him in shorter spaces. And I think that that allows him to create separation where Victor struggles. Victor's good at those jump balls, but how many of those can you do? Uh, Moore is probably the most polished of the three, but I just think he's a lot of the same of what they already have, you know, in terms of, you know, Bateman and, and Duvernay and and Prochet and Wallace, I think he's he's more similar to those guys than either Bridges or Victor. But I think it comes down to this one key ingredient when that fifth receiver, if in fact there is a fifth receiver, you bring up a great point, Nikhil, with uh, elevating practice squad guys. But if if it comes down to one other thing, it's those guys, the guy who's the fifth on the depth chart at wide receiver, he better contribute on special teams. And those bigger body wide receivers like Bridges and Victor, just physically, I think they struggle a little more to be contributors on special teams than a guy like Jalen Moore could. Yeah, I think the other thing about Shamar Bridges is that he is making pretty big strides. Um, we had him on the Rust Street Replay prop podcast over the summer. And so, you know, watched a good amount of film, whatever I could get my hands on of him at Fort Valley State. And 
certainly, you know, certainly the talent is there, the physical, the physical traits are there. Um, but he seems to be taking direction from uh, T. Martins and Keith Williams, Keith Williams really well. He seems to be kind of picking up on some more of the nuances of how he's going to succeed and earn a roster spot. For example, you know, you don't see a lot of him, you know, underneath in college, right? He's so big, fast, good at contested catches. They didn't run him underneath a lot, but he's picking up how to uncover, how to find soft spots in the defense and make a move after the catch. And I think that seeing that progression from someone who, um, you know, yeah, undrafted free agent um, for Valley State, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's division two, um, you know, seeing that him take that kind of direction and, um, you know, put in the work is something, you know, we know this team likes to reward. We know they reward it when they see it. And so it is, it is going to be a question of how, how I think how crisp his route running is in the preseason games, um, how sharp his hands are. Is, does he have drops or is he consistent? Um, and the other thing is, as always in Baltimore, Special teams uh, if, is one of these riders he was going to pop on special teams because I think that's their best chance to actually make the roster um, and get a full-time job is on special teams. You know, when you talk about teams, it's important. And, and you know, the John Harbaugh's history and how these guys get an opportunity to get on the field. I've heard, you know, Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh both say that having experience on special teams takes a little bit off the, the takes a little off the edge of the for young players when they actually take the field on either offense or defense like once you're engaged in competition even if it's special teams it takes like the starry-eyed uh, newness away from the players so that they don't they're not overwhelmed by you know playing under the big lights in the NFL yeah, and I think that you know that's it's it, it's an intentional thing that the Ravens do. It's one of it's one of many I think very under the radar smart things that the team does. Just how they handle themselves, how they present themselves um, to teams. You know, we talk about this undrafted free agent crop. I think it's a pretty good crop. Um, the Ravens like promoting undrafted agents, uh, undrafted free agents to their fifty-three man roster every year because it tells every single new class of undrafted rookies that Baltimore is the place to go if you want a chance. So the best ones come here. Same thing with special teams. You know, they they let they let players know up front, hey, you're going to be playing special teams. This is the kind of team we are here, and they get them to buy into the system really early on. They buy into the Ravens' way, and I think that that is one of the reasons why this team feels. I think maybe as tight as, as they've ever been, not, not tight in a, in a bad way, as close together as they've ever been. Yeah. I, I agree with what Nikhil said about the, the close knit nature of the group. They look like they're having fun out there. Uh, we were actually joking all day. Is this the day we're going to have a training camp fight because of the heat? And really, I, I, I just thought everyone seemed really bonded together um, and special teams, um, was the first thing we saw when we got out there. Um, and you saw a lot of the younger guys really working hard. Um, but the ones who were – I was paying attention to the ones who were involved in special teams at the beginning and were also involved offense and defense time. And Justice Hill was one of the most consistent players on the field yesterday. I thought Justice Hill looked really good. I think Justice Hill – and uh, Tyler Beatty are as close to locks as I think they've ever been. Fellas, we're going to wrap up here, but I, I just wanted to get 
any obs other observations that we didn't touch on that you picked up on yesterday? And then I'd also like to get your thoughts on what you're looking forward to or looking ahead to and hoping from some of the players on the field as, as they continue through training camp. And let's start with you, Chris. Yeah, I want to see Tyler Huntley look a little sharper. I know the backup quarterback position isn't necessarily the number one thing we think of, but I'd like to see him look a, a little um, a little better, especially because last year we needed him. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And on on defense, I really want to see um, – I, I really want to see Jalen Armour Davis get more opportunities um, to uh, show off in coverage. I, I think he's worked really hard on special teams, um, but, you know, we've seen some guys like Demarion Williams maybe um, be a little flashier on offense versus defense. I think Jalen Armour Davis has the best skill set of the young defensive backs, so I'd like to see him get a little more active when they're scrimmaging against the offense. So I think uh, in terms of what I like to see, it's um, it's basically Dalen Hazer bus time at the edge position in Baltimore. And I think hopefully he doesn't feel too much pressure on him, um, you know, going into a second year after somewhat of a lost rookie season. But there is there is some hope that he will kind of step up to fill the edge rushing void, um, at least early in the season before Bowser and Ajabo make their way back. And. You know, he's going to have to show it in camp, I think, early to get those early, you know, early reps in the, in the regular season. He's going to have to show that he can beat Moses and Jawan James uh, consistently in order to get early reps in the regular season um, and probably end up rotating with Justin Houston while Odafe O is going to get the most of his snaps. I think the, the other last observation I have um, is the kids are all right. We have um, we've talked for the last few years, I think, about kind of a, a little bit of maybe of a potential void in locker room leadership. There are no, um, you know, longtime Ravens defenders. You know, we had Lewis and Reed and Suggs for so long. Um, you know, even guys like Levine and, and Sam Cook are gone. And, you know, there, there's, there's been talk about, you know, where's the locker room leadership. Um, but I got to say, the kids are all right. If, if we're turning the keys of this team over to Rashad Bateman and Odafe Owe and James Prochet and, um, you know, obviously Lamar to a certain extent, but, um, you know, if we're turning it over to that group, um, Patrick Queen, they um, they know how to carry themselves. They know what they're doing. They have that. Th I think it's a it's a mature group of young guys leading this team now, something that I was probably a little bit more shaky about over the summer when we were kind of hearing more about the way the team was forming. But after seeing it in action, seeing the way this team holds each other accountable in person, I mean, Morgan Moses ran a lap yesterday for a false start. I trust the direction of this team. I trust Harbaugh's leadership. Um, and I really just trust these young players. Mm -hmm. Chris, Nikhil, great observations. Thank you for sharing them with our listeners and for your time. Uh, please share your Twitter handles for our listeners. Yes, yeah, so, so uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I'm at footballman58. And mine is N Meta, N M E H T A U R 2022. You got to make that one a little bit more complicated. <laughs> so I'll, I'll make sure I put that out when we tweet this podcast out and put it up on Facebook and all the other social media aspects. So, um, so thanks again, guys. And, and listeners, please be sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Word on the Street. Thanks so much, Tony.